Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store. I'm Rebecca Roberts. Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes, the PR, comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi Harriet, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Really good, thanks. So I think we should talk about what social media channels work for personal branding or for your own personal work. It's hard, isn't it? Because I've no teams that have worked say at university teams and separating their kind of life to like work life so they have their own Facebook account but don't really want that on all the work ones as well so it's kind of set up like separate ones it's quite complicated I think particularly like if you've got kids like how much do you share public public and then how much do you share like in a work way and I think like I've totally got a split personality with that like I've got two Instagrams like one for work one for personal Twitter's everything and LinkedIn's obviously public as well. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it, to have that identity? And it depends where you work. Some places can be quite funny about you being on social media even now. Yeah, so you definitely got to check because, for example, for me, I work in a politically restricted role. So I need to be mindful about what I say on socials, especially in the political arena, if I say anything. So that's quite important to remember. So if you have a high profile role, because you know people have been caught out in some of the things they've said on social media. But I guess it's also thinking about what are your strengths? Because some people can use Instagram really well for work in terms of PR and comms. I can't. My Instagram is just very much me being boring. But but on LinkedIn and LinkedIn and Twitter... (laughs) It is a little bit better. And at least on Twitter, I could like put out one liners. And yeah, so I guess it's looking at your strength. But I would say pick two or three. LinkedIn is is a definite. Yeah. So I think pick two or three and do them really well rather than stretching yourself really thin. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's also, like you say, working out what you actually like using and what you feel like would be easy. And then think about, obviously, it's personal brand. It's kind of thinking about either, you know, are you in the job market? So you want to be posting articles or thought pieces on LinkedIn? Or are you working for yourself? So you need clients. So Twitter is really useful. I've got clients through LinkedIn as well before now. So I think it's just thinking about like who you're trying to reach and why on different channels. And I know you don't really think of that when you start your own Instagram, but you definitely have to for work. Yeah. And I guess as well is just be mindful about what you want to achieve because you could be in a role right now where you're in-house and then maybe you want to start a side hustle so what channel is best to do that and that could be LinkedIn and maybe Instagram you know so it's just being mindful about what you want to do in the future as well and thinking about okay how can I build on this channel how can I use it to the best of my abilities but I guess also thinking about who you follow because a lot of this stuff is about the algorithms and how much you contribute and who you follow and all that kind of stuff so it's about not just following people within your sector but also making it sort of a bit broader so for example if like me you work say in a government arena you also follow many people in sports in fashion beauty um, lifestyle wellness etc so that you're not just looking at only your sector and just your sector but you're broadening out and then maybe that could even open up different avenues for you in terms of work or even clients yeah that's really good and just a final point I'd say just be careful your mental health because social media can be busy anyway 
And if you're working in it and doing it for work and then trying to ha- use it personally, it can become like, you know, when's enough? <laughs> How many accounts is enough? So I think you just have to have that balance for you around like taking breaks from things like, oh, don't announce a break. I know people like doing that. I'm being really mean now. I don't care if you're having a break or something like I'm going to have a break from socials now. Like I see that quite a lot, but it's like, yeah, if you need to for work, we'll just take them. Like it's accepted that like, you might just need a break from it all now and then. Yeah. And I guess it's the same thing when you go on holiday from work there's an out of office that other people can deal with it. You know, if the postman's delivering your post, he's going to put it through the letterbox. Whether you're opening the letterbox or not, or you're looking at the post, he doesn't know. He just keeps putting it through the letterbox. So if people are still tweeting you, they're still going to tweet you. Just go and have a break. (laughs) Just have a break. Have a Kit Kat. (laughs) Great. Hello, this week we're joined by Rob Armstrong-Haworth. Rob has worked in the higher education sector since 2002, holding a breadth of roles at various institutions, including higher ed lead at Hootsuite for UK and Ireland, before setting up his agency, Neon Caffeine, and running the All Day All Night Conference. Neon Caffeine offers social media strategy, audits, listening and training, and more recently has helped clients to get their accounts in shape and combat the breadth of fake accounts that come with high profile individuals. Hi Rob, thanks ever so much for coming today. Hi Rebecca, hi Harriet, how are you? We're good. So we're talking about personal brand and how to manage it across social media. How important is it that we think about our own social presence, whether we're at the start of our career or ultra famous? It's a really good question. It would be easy to say that it's very important and that sounds very cliche, but actually it is. You've seen in the press how people from sports professionals right the way through to individuals who've lost their job, have been suspended for, for something they might have said in the past, right the way through to when you think back to the days of having MSN Messenger and having really naff usernames. So if you start out by thinking, how do you want to be seen? How do you want to be known? What's your look and feel? Even down to what colours you want on your page. And really think about the future rather than the here and now. Uh, that personally, I think that's a really good way to go for sort of setting up your your social presence from the outset. So as well as advising on social strategies for organisations, you've also worked with individuals who have needed to really audit and manage their accounts, as well as fake ones. How hard is it to reclaim a social presence? The easy answer is extremely you, you sort of do have to sort of like laugh and cry at the same time in that one. You, if you think about it's hard enough for a brand to tackle getting the username they want. And if, if I think back to setting up my business, going through different names, trying to find something that was ideal, you've then got the challenge of you can't necessarily standardize your usernames if you've um, limited with, with what there are. Some places you'll end up with an underscore versus a dot. So it really depends how early on in your journey you've been smart enough to find something unique. But you can also then hit other challenges that if you do get to the point you found something that's available, it might not be being used, but one of the bigger platforms might have just archived it and it's not ready to be released. So you then come across that brick wall of the bigger platforms, not being able to chat to them, to sort of have a conversation. And this is where I think people start to digress and end up with something that sort of less than satisfactory so it's not easy and then the final challenge is you've got to know the rules for each platform um, in terms of trying to get usernames what's acceptable what's not so it's not an easy task to try and tackle getting 
everything the same. And that's, that's something I found with clients is we've had to make a sacrifice somewhere and focus on maybe the platforms that are more important than others. And we know universities are key culprits for having like multiple accounts, hundreds of accounts, everyone wants a new one, but they're not the only organisation that tend to have like that social media creep. What's your advice for teams trying to manage this? It would be easy to say have a plan before you even get on social, but we know that that's that's the bit where you think, okay, if the sort of hindsight side of it. So the way I've tackled it and the way I see other brands tackling it is to at some point start an audit to really get a picture. There are some really good tools out there that can help you track some platforms better than others. For Twitter, you can start to audit using certain websites that will give you a list of everything if you put keywords in such as your brand name or a particular tag hashtag for example or your account tag and that will give you anybody that's mentioned it in the bio for example more manual when it comes to other accounts such as instagram facebook linkedin but you're going to have to carry out that audit now that can be a very labor intensive task and people try to take it and go i don't want to do that so where do you try to tackle and, and stop it happening going forward would be to have a naming policy. So I've worked with some clients and I've seen some universities have been very open and public about doing that, which is great because I think it's all about sharing good practice and getting that out. But on a more practical, like a personal level, it would be to have a social media I don't know, internal community where actually you're starting to talk to everybody that's got an interest in social it doesn't have to sit with inside the social media team make it a collective effort to professionalize as a group because you'll probably find that they're out there wanting to be participating with a central team so why not build on that enthusiasm but at the same time you're you're out there tackling your challenge but it will be a rinse and repeat situation you will have to do this on a regular basis keeping an eye but if you've got things like a naming policy and you communicate it well you're probably going to find it's easier to hunt down these accounts a second time around uh, universities are a particular culprit when it comes to acronyms so if there are any other industries that are the same then yeah, try to iron out that bad behaviour early on with the policy. It reminds me of something we discussed about around internal comms with Dev Mystery from Virgin Media actually the other week. And we were talking about the importance of, or like how bizarre it is sometimes that the internal audience isn't seen as like a vitally important part. So for social media, it's often the case like you see agencies do it like a lot of agencies, Rise at Seven, Hyper Each Other Up, Gymshark as a brand, do it a lot on LinkedIn. You can see the staff really sharing each other's content. And that is, I presume, of like an internal common strategy. So I think you can actually really help build your brand. And a lot of, like you say, a lot of staff actually just want to be really effective on social. So it's almost like if you're upskilling them and telling them why and helping them, that like helps your overall presence. Yeah, I think that there are sort of very small, smart things you can be doing. I've been on the internal side as well as being now on sort of the more agency side. And it comes down to utilising the tools that the platforms give you, such as LinkedIn, being able to push out content to all of the staff that are there listed. You may get past staff, you might get, if it's a university PhD students and any other student that's listed the university as an employer. Um, but what you get there is that instant notification that the main brand account has pushed a bit of content out. So you then build up your advocates that way. Equally, making it very clear on your internal, whether it's an intranet, whether it's a newsletter, how do people surface content up to the brand channels? It shouldn't be under lock and key anymore. It should be a collective community effort. Yes, 
you might have to say no to some people. And if that's not something you're comfortable with, then I'm sorry, you're going to have to learn how to do that. But you might find that actually that piece of content they want to put on is perfect for a newsletter. It could be something that goes up to the exact weekly bulletin. But the more you can make these digital assets and channels accessible to all, the better in my mind, because that's where everybody becomes a brand advocate. You've worked with someone who was once on Love Island who rocketed into having like a high profile, which they normally do, and they got a lot of attention. And now they're sort of building their own business and making that shift between personal brand and then creating a business. Although it's not as glamorous, but do you think that's the same when you're working in PR and comms because, say, you're shifting from one sphere to another? So, for example, from internal communications to media relations or from media relations to public affairs? And what advice do you have? Yeah, I I think it's... I thought about this in, in a couple of ways. And the first one is if you think you're changing from one job to another, and for us, it could be go from internal into external i forgot which way around i was talking about this for a second you've got the networks that you built up so if you were a sort of a press officer in one university and you go to a press officer in a different university you still take some of those contacts with you it could be that you leverage the people on linkedin so when i was setting up neon caffeine it was very much about who did i want to tell my story to first and it was my network and i think that's the same whether you've got a high profile following right the way through to whether it's just your own professional following you've got to look at how you can leverage that network at some point that profile will become less useful but in the interim you want to make sure you leverage it so it it might be using your audience to communicate your change until the point you start to build up reputation in a new area in the case of the sort of client that i'm working with who was on love island it's someone who's got a large following who now has that to tackle but if they put something out about their business that they're going to get loads of reactions on instagram stories that mean that they're missing client messages so we've been talking about how we can switch off some of those settings so it's very basic using the tools again that are out there to in a sense improve well-being and efficiency at the same time so they're not having to wade through 40,000 smiley faces popping up in reaction to a story they've put out. Instead, they're getting quality messages coming in. So I think it's the same way that if you are a professional, if you've previously been subscribed to a load of stuff, you're going to make sure you unsubscribe from that and get on the right mailing list. And you might use your network to help leverage that to do that. Quite interestingly, having read in the last few days that Love Island are putting in these new duty of care protocols, one thing they don't mention in their press release is how to tackle some of the challenges we've talked about in terms of having become high profile and the attention, particularly around fake profiles. So it'll be interesting to see how maybe more might emerge from that training that they're going to offer in terms of social media. But that's one thing that does impact on your brand, less so for a, a personal individual but for somebody who's high profile that does have a bearing on where you go next with your projects yeah and like i think you've talked before about like the, the fake accounts and things and i guess scammers will look at any route to try and mislead people so if you're easy there's pictures available of you suddenly you're like an easy target for that and i was always wonder like how they coach because it's such a lot to suddenly deal with that big profile we've gone through a phase one of tackling the fake accounts and probably took down about six or seven accounts across Twitter and TikTok. And some of them were blatantly 
pretending to be the client. And you sit there and think, that's shocking. What are you doing? It's even worse when it comes to dating profiles and getting messages back going, by the way, I've just had this approach. I've been asked for money. That happens. Now, that's that's even harder to police because if for some of the apps, you might not be matched, so you might not see it. But from a social media perspective, it was quite easy from a Twitter profile. It took a little bit longer on TikTok, but we got there. But now there's new ones. So there's a, there's a new account that's popped up using picture that the person's currently got on Twitter and created a new TikTok account using that. <laughs> it's... It's crazy. It is really crazy. And, and I've noticed quite a few influencers and people with larger followings are just their um, Instagram settings, for example, specifically on stories. And it makes you think about the this next question really. I suppose is when it does get really noisy or something goes viral, like Harriet's had a few viral tweets. How do you best manage that? Because it can be, like you're saying, it can be a real, whilst it can be great, it can be a real distraction from like for your client, for example, like when there's real business messages or real things they need to get on with. You've kind of got to have a plan before it happens. So without being big headed sit there and plan as a brand, as a high profile individual, like what would happen if I went viral for a positive reason, a negative reason, know what you stand for. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't do it alone. Try and stay calm. Uh, I was watching on Lad Bible, the interview with the Scottish guy who has gone viral from dancing to a remix of a TikTok famous sort of grime artist tune and he's got a boohoo deal already that guy has he actually got the he actually got it now i think so <laughs> but it, it was the fact that the video went viral he doesn't even remember doing the dance in and it, it's amazing how it can happen now you can't plan for those situations but i think where you can start to plan as a brand is it should be forming part of your in a sense crisis comms your general comms plans now is are we equipped to deal with it so that could be that we've got the right system in place for alerts if it happens out of hours so if it's a negative thing i know most universities will have some form of emergency sort of planning team i've been on one where we've had a, an out of hours rotor for social media and sometimes you're called up at half 11 12 at night and something has to happen and you go out and you deal with it in the right way and you triage it but there's other things such as how to avoid being overwhelmed we go back to talking about the sort of the settings you can put into instagram so rather than necessarily having those reactions on stories on available for everybody make them for the people you follow or actually just switch them off completely so the messages you get in are the right ones if you use a management platform have you got the right way to schedule and get the content into the right people or if not have you at least linked up your facebook business center or whatever it's called this week and sort of really have a way of managing that flow of messages but i think it's also if it's a, an individual that it happens to and you're approached by, I know, an agent or someone like that, I'd be thinking, don't just jump on the first one. Make sure that you do a bit of homework, a bit of research. Are there people you aspire to be like? Who are they represented by? So I think there's a, the five minutes of fame people who'll get go viral, as well as then the brands where actually you'd hope that they've got a bit more of a a plan to to react to it. And I'm sure the places like Gymshark have got those plans in place to tackle that. I think that's a really good point. I think having like a trolling policy, like what to do when you get sort of trolled online, but also things like how as a brand you clap back? Because sometimes I think the indecision of like, how do we respond to it? What do you respond? I think when 
behavior is really bad online or something happens knowing when there's a brand or an individual you feel happy to say this isn't okay like I saw an academic last week saying basically another academic had tweeted the front cover of her book and said how insecure is she that she needs to put her title as professor whatever and and she just said oh you know another supportive week in academia type of thing and loads of people supported it and shared it and it was really effective because she didn't have to say something nasty she was just sharing something that happened and my brother is a journalist and he's had a lot of trolling in the past for things he's written like it's a film critic and he actually posts some of them and it got to the point where he'd posted some of them and the troll messaged him saying hey man would you tweet that other thing I said about you as well because I got loads of like response from it and he's like, oh, wow, okay, I'm not going to give this profile to the troll. So I think you just have to work it out yourself a little bit or have a loose plan of like what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, and I've I've spoken to universities where the social media teams have had to support individuals that have been trolled because of their research. And that I think that's something that brands, whether they're universities, whether it's a council, whether whether it's any organisation, to have some sort of either training or support mechanism in place for those individuals that do get forced into the public eye for something they could be doing really good at and then they're going to get a load of hate because of who they are or the fact that they're a female academic versus a male academic. You know, it, it could happen to anyone and it shouldn't. And I think going back to that bit around the sort of the fake accounts, you'll get fake um, individuals. But in my hobby side of things with the plants that we were talking about before we started, a lot of the sort of shops will do giveaways and some of the plant influencers as well. And they'll get to sort of 20,000 followers, 30, 40, or it might be a a specific event. Like there's a, a pride giveaway with another plant company that I follow on Instagram. And they all have to constantly report fake accounts that are pretending to be the account that confirms the prize winner just to scam people out of it. And that's just like, the energy that trolls and scammers are going into these days, that this is where your monitoring comes in place. This is where having your audits, knowing knowing your accounts, going back to that foresight around the going viral, you also have to have the foresight if you're doing a competition or somehow celebrating something, how might people pretend to be you? It's, it's flattery in a way that people think that you've got enough of a profile, but also it's a headache. Thanks for joining us. And everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes. We're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you. So DM us on social or get in touch with Harriet at commsovercoffee.com or myself, Rebecca at threadandfable.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us. Find us on Twitter at RebeccaRobert7 or at HarrietSmallsy. Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.